0: hello hello and welcome back this is another episode of love life and legacy a podcast that was specifically designed for you enter name here person we uh have a great interview today his name is there's a guy named sam black and this guy is just a solid guy all around solid father husband human being And he works for a really neat organization that we've been somewhat of an affiliate for because we've been recommending their product to many people, Um, Covenant Eyes. Covenant Eyes is an accountability software that for a lot of people, they think, oh, it's just to spy on me. And no, it's to help you feel like you're not alone on the internet. By choice, you choose to put it on your devices. And it's super cool. They're progressing along with technology. So happy to have him. Uh, He was in Michigan at the time, where he lives. And we just want to welcome him. Welcome to the world of High Noon, Sam Black. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. Um, I am here. My name is Andrew Love, if you haven't heard me. And today we have a guest. We love doing these interviews. Some of our episodes are just Sammy and I pontificating about different topics like masturbation, pornography, things like that. But then we also have met so many amazing people along the way in our own journey and in disseminating this information, we meet these warriors, unlikely heroes. Uh, And one of them is Sam Black. And I remember specifically talking to him for the first time. I was traveling across the country and I was <laughs> on speakerphone in my car. I think it was in the Midwest or something. And I just remember your laugh. You're a very jolly, man. <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm a very, jolly very,
0: man. Wow. There it is. <laughs> There's that wonderful oh, laugh. Thanks, and I just remember you being a really warm person. And then I finally got to meet you at the High Noon Summit in Las Vegas. And I was, uh, Obviously, impressed by just you as a person, but then I was also super impressed by your presentation that you did about your own child and how you're raising your children to be really brave and courageous in the face of this, mm. you know, exponentially confusing world. <laughs> so, in the area of sexuality, that you've been working together with them to develop a healthy understanding of, of how to navigate these hypersexualized waters. So as a man, he's, he's very impressive, but he's also a part of an organization called Covenant Eyes. And we'll have a link to that in the show notes, um, which is really an astounding organization. And they've invested so much into helping to make people's user experience online um, curated so that we don't, stumble and fumble as much into places where we don't want to be. And they do that by kind of making it accountability-friendly, so you're not alone on the internet, so that you have, somebody's kind of virtually together with you, in a sense, um, to help you uh, not get lost. So He's an amazing man, a part of an amazing organization, and I'm so happy to have him. So welcome, Sam Black. Doing well.
1: You? Wow. I don't know if I'll try to live up to at least half of what you said there. And <laughs> it's it's uh, hard, man.
0: You. I don't try to blow people up. I don't want to make you arrogant, no, but not, you're not an amazing person.
1: It's one of those things that uh, God keeps me humble regardless.
0: Uh. <laughs> <laughs> he smacks you down every once in a while. <laughs>
1: um, wow. It's really... A pleasure to be here love the conference we were at together and i thought it was yeah. just so impactful and that you guys have been so steadfast and that is so important to the church day because so often we just don't want to talk about this in the church yeah because i i had a a pastor say this and I, I i love this quote and i have to i just cling to it but it is uh the quote is this the modern church today not all the church but especially the church in america has become an institution of respectability rather than a hospital where the great physician can do his work mm, and absolutely. What you guys are doing at High Noon is working to make the church a hospital where the great physician can mm-hmm. do his work. And I just want to be, I'm just grateful for your steadfast, steadfastness and uh, your continuing search to help uh, change lives, to help create uh, a new opportunities for growth so that we can put off the yeah. old man and put on the new.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Well, it's it's all the more easy, or I guess bearable. I wouldn't say easy. I would never use that word in this battle, but it's made bearable when we have co-conspirators, yeah, that's right. right? When we have uh, brothers in arm and sisters in arm. And so that's why I wanted to invite you on and really dig into what it is that you're doing because you know, you've been at this for longer than me. And what you're doing is so specific and it's so good to have some people who work in broad realms, some people work in the political sphere to help against pornography, sex trafficking. And, you know, like personally, I know a lot of people who are really advocating against sex trafficking and that's extremely important. And it's a cause that's easy to rally behind because it's so clearly egregious Nobody. I've never seen an advocate for, an overt advocate for sex trafficking, but the unglamorous work is, well, what are we doing in our own homes, right? And that's something that you've been deeply invested in, which is helping to clean up homes so that people can get the kind of causal effect, the the origin source of human trafficking, which is so much of it is pornography, right? Uh, trying to clean that up within the home instead of attacking the bad guys out there, it's also what about inside of us and cleaning that mm-hmm. up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to get into what what is Covenant Eyes? Could you give us like a, an overview? Do you have like an elevator pitch that you give?
1: Yeah, Covenant so Eyes Covenant Eyes is just simply a, a good way to be to have a friend go with you wherever you go online. Uh, We invented something called Internet Accountability. And the whole premise behind it is that when we have a brother or sister in Christ walking with us, uh, as Ecclesiastes will tell us, that two are better than one. They have a good return for the work. That if one falls in a ditch, oh man, if he's by himself, stuck. But if he has another with him, If he has an ally, a friend, a trusted companion with him, then he's going to get out. And so that's what the whole principle behind covenant eyes is. It comes from Job 31.1. I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look on a woman with lust. That's where Job 31 Mm -hmm. was. But frankly, it's both men and women who are struggling with what we see and do on, on our devices.
0: Well, can I ask about that? What what do you have uh, statistics on the people that sign up for your program? Are they? What's the percentage of men to women?
1: You know, I don't know that offhand. Um, I, I know we we've, we've looked at that, but it's growing. Um, I just yeah. had two conversations uh, over the weekend uh, working on a book, and I feel we're jumping around a little bit. But I'm I, I'm working on a book, and I. Um, on helping pastors understand the impact of pornography and how to begin addressing it well. And, uh, and we have a, a covenant eyes insiders group that is allowing people to raise their hand and say, Hey, I want, uh, this is something I think is important that that covenant eyes to take care of. And we're hearing from more and more women who are saying, this is my problem. And yet my church doesn't recognize yeah. it as my problem. It's just the guy's problem. And that's and it's not fair to me as a woman, they're saying. And so it is important that in the church we make it safe for women to raise their hand and say, I'm struggling here and I need that same kind of support. Let me go back to what Covenant Eyes is and what our purpose is and, and, and how it all works. So... The whole idea, again, behind Covenant Eyes is you take a friend along with you on your devices, and we call that person an ally. An ally is a person you can trust, who is safe, who doesn't spill your beans to everyone else, but they can call you out as well as call you up. Accountability isn't so much about calling someone out on all their, their, their failures, but calling them up to the person they want to be desire to be in christ and that translates right to the very things we do on a daily living not just uh, are we reading scripture are we in our prayer but what is our thought life like how are we using our devices and that when we have invite someone to walk with us and that is an opportunity for us to see the very best and worst in ourselves through the lens of someone who's uh, being a friend to us, but we're also giving that permission. We're giving that permission. Hey, I want you to speak into my life, so that person feels comfortable and helping you grow. And often, it's a it's uh, allies who are working together. They're calling each other up to who they want to be. So with covenant eyes. You simply download our software to all your different devices iPhone, iPad, iPod Touch, Android phones and tablets, Windows and Mac computers. And what happens on your screens uh, is being monitored. Now, we invented something called internet accountability, but dramatic changes in technology have shifted, and so we now provide something called screen accountability. And screen accountability is actually monitoring the screen itself. So it doesn't matter if you're using the internet or a, a text or uh, social media on your Android device or etc. If it appears on a screen, we capture that, and then artificial intelligence reviews that screenshot and knows what pornography is. If it's pornography, it will be captured and sent to, into a report to your friend. Now, you're also going to see additional uh, items as well, uh, or additional screenshots that may not be a pornography, but it gives your accountability partner, your ally, an opportunity to see how else you're using your devices. This is a new technology that was released just this past year, 2019.
0: Yeah, and you had somebody from, he was like an ex-government worker or something like that, who helped to develop this? Yeah, so we actually...
1: it's amazing how God works at Covenant Eyes. Um, we had a PhD mathematician with a specialty in artificial intelligence who's working for the NSA. And he says, you know, long story short, he says, I think God can use me more at Covenant Eyes than at the National Security Administration. <laughs> he joined their team <laughs> and uh, uh, helps us create the algorithms necessary uh, for our our. Uh, technology team mm. to create this artificial intelligence image recognition software that screen reads. So it doesn't matter where pornography comes from; but it appears on the screen, it's captured, and sent to the report.
0: That's amazing. And so, h- how big is? I mean, it sounds like there's a pretty big staff over there. What's what's the size of the Covenant Eyes team?
1: Oh yeah, we have more than 200 team members here at Covenant Eyes.
0: Now. Whoa, that's huge. Which which departments do you guys have? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, I think I'm starting to forget how many different departments there are, but yeah. uh, we have one set are you know definitely specifically to development. Um, uh, education and training is another major department. We have what we call user experience department yeah. and that user experience is all about making our software easy to use and understand as well as making our educational resources easy to, to decipher and, and use. And so when you engage with Covenant Eyes, we want to make it easy. Yeah, And so we're continually working on new ways to make that happen. We are also the only ones in our industry that provide free phone support. So 8 a.m. to midnight, Monday through Friday, wow. Eastern Time. Wow. And 10 to 6 on Saturdays, Eastern Time, you get to talk to a real live human being uh, based here in the United States and last year, the average wait time was thirty-one seconds. <laughs> so we, take that, we take that very seriously. Wow.
0: And so, what? This is for people who can't figure out the software, or uh, just general inquiry about about user friendliness, or how, what? What are the questions you guys get?
1: Yeah, so it might be any number of things. Uh, what's becoming less, especially with screen accountability, is there is very little interference with what. You know, using our, our software now. The old system, there was a little bit. There could be more. It might be a conflict between a um, antivirus or something, or it could be uh, just a configuration on on your computer in some way. Mm. Or they might have a simple question about. You know, I'm looking at this report, and I have a question about it. Can you help me with that? Um, and so, those are the kinds of typical questions we're receiving.
0: That's really cool. And so I had no idea you guys were that big. Do you, is it, was it a nonprofit? Because I remember I saw a presentation by the founder and I remember this was kind of the birth of some unfortunate circumstances, right? With uh, he had some insurance money. Yeah, so
1: that's a, uh, it's a, it's a longer story. (laughs) But the, here's, let me see if I can put it together for you in five minutes worth of, uh, what I see is a very beautiful story of how God redeems all things. Our founder, Ron Haas, his wife and two children were killed when they had stopped for an accident in front of them on an interstate. And a tractor trailer filled with kerosene did not stop for all that traffic and ran through them. It was horrible. It just devastated him. God blessed him some years later with his new wife. And her children, and he cares so deeply about family. And when his new sons were uh, getting on the internet, they had just brought the internet home in in uh, 1999, coming on 2000. And very quickly, Ron said, "You know, this can go the wrong way. This is, could provide unintended consequences. And so, what I want to do is train my sons so that they'll understand." Uh, and be prepared for the world that they live in. Uh, so he came up with the idea that he would like to receive a report that showed how his sons were using the internet. And that would provide them an ongoing conversation to teach train and disciple. And one thing led to another and he founded it uh, the way founded a way to do that and uh, started the company called Covenant Ice that exists today.
0: That's an incredible story.
1: We are not a non-for-profit. Um, we've been a for-profit company. We kind of describe ourselves as a self-funded ministry. And uh, very recently, Ron uh, has changed how Covenant Eyes is working because we're seeing continued growth—fifteen to twenty percent year-over-year growth. He keeps re- was continuing to receive offers to buy Covenant Eyes but we do things that don't make sense because it's about mission and passion and culture change. And he found that everyone who wanted to buy his company didn't want to carry on his vision. They just wanted to earn more money. (laughs) And so uh, recently Ron has said, the only people that I can trust with covenant eyes and he's in his seventies now is the people who are most invested in the, in the mission and the passion. Hmm. And so he has made Covenant Eyes into an employee-owned company.
0: Wow, that's incredible.
1: So the, the, the person, the customer support person that you speak to on the line, the developer who's working on the software, the uh, user experience person who's making sure that uh, what you do uh, on our site and with our software is easy to understand, hmm. those are all company owners.
0: That's a really cool model. It's really inspiring because it, it encourages everybody to feel like an owner, right? Um, because they literally that's are right. an owner. But that's that's wonderful. And so, the mission that you have as as a, as an organization is to is it specifically to help eradicate pornography, or is it more focused on just helping people have a better experience online? That simply doesn't include porn or how do you, are you kind of like an organization that is, is attacking porn or it's more helping people to escape porn altogether or how, how do you see it?
1: Uh, let me share something with you. I think this is a really cool, we have what we call organizational clarity and those com- organizations that really uh, know the boundaries of what their, of, of their mission are most successful at, at achieving that mission. And so we have four points that we call what is what we call our organizational clarity. The first one is, why do we exist? And that statement is very simple. It's pornography is corrupting hundreds of millions of people, and we exist to change the course of history by enabling the world to overcome porn and be restored and transformed. Wow. We have this crazy belief that we can have an impact on culture. And as you've seen uh, through your work with Nicosi, which Covenant Eyes funds heavily, is that um, we aim to have an impact on culture. So that when you, you know, uh, Covenant Eyes team and the team at the National Center on Sexual Exploitation uh, worked together and helped train Google's executive team on the impact that pornography was having on children. And that's when they agreed that they would no longer sell advertising to pornography websites that happened about a little over five years ago. Wow. They removed all of the pornography apps from the Play Store and there used to be a lot. That same campaign has led to Hyatt, Hilton, Sheridan, Sherwood, Holiday Inn, the hotel chains, one by one agreeing that they would no longer sell pay-per-view pornography in the rooms. When you go to Walmart, you will find that Cosmopolitan is no longer in the checkout aisle for your children to gawk at. Uh, It is then moved over to the magazine section. Now, you can be part of this campaign by going to endsexualexploitation.org. And there you can learn more about the dirty dozen list. And that dirty dozen list helps you be part of something that changes culture. So this takes all of us together. Yeah. Uh, going back to the organizational clarity, too. How do we behave? Number one is we honor God. We have optimism. We have a passion for excellence. And we have a certain service to others. Those are the four. Guiding principles about how we behave, honor God, optimism, passion for excellence, service to others. You know, I think you were talking earlier about uh, prior to uh, starting the the session was, uh, isn't it easy to kind of get a feeling like maybe you're just banging your head against the wall? I was recently asked that, and I was like, I never feel that way. And that sounds crazy because I know um, many people in this, in this support uh, industry, it's, it's, um, this support ministry field, I should say, is working to help the individual find new freedom. They're asking for help. And for me, as long as uh, I'm providing help, serving others, caring for others, I continually have this optimism that we can help change the world. And if nothing else, I'm helping change one person's life at a time, Yeah, just like you are. Absolutely. And we can do so much together than we can
0: apart. And so with the name Covenant Eyes, obviously – and you say it's it's a ministry, is that an overt part of who you are? Is it is it an expression of a, a religion in particular? Is it Catholic-based? Is it denominational? Or is it just merely an inspired idea that is available? Do you find a lot of secular people also sign up for your services or is this mostly a religious thing?
1: The vast majority of our members uh, Probably somewhere in the neighborhood of. Uh, I, it's been a while since I've seen this figure, and it changes, but it's in the ninety percentiles that our uh, members are Christians. Got it. From just about every denomination you'd think of.
0: Okay, and I I'd love to talk about this because um, there are people, <laughs> obviously, who are naysayers, right? Disbelievers who talk about you know, the fact that there's nothing wrong with pornography and that religion imposes a sense of guilt around the air of sex just to make people feel bad and that we should be able to do whatever we want. Um, and obviously, I fundamentally disagree, right? But I would love mm-hmm. to hear your belief about why it would be mostly Christians that would be attracted to a service like yours, mostly believers, mostly people... Who want a relationship with God that would seek out accountability? Do you think it's based on guilt, or do you? What what what's your interpretation of that? A couple
1: of reasons, probably that people choose Covenant Eyes specifically is Covenant Eyes just the name itself lends itself to uh, sounding religious. We have a, we also have a, a decent, fairly nice number of of Jewish families who are using covenant eyes as well. Awesome.
0: And so uh do you feel like cuz my impression is this that religious people have an ideal, a clearly expressed ideal they're striving for the kingdom of heaven in heaven, the kingdom of heaven on earth. We have we believe that we are destined to to be to kind of activate the god within if you know what i'm saying. So in in my understanding the reason why a lot of, you know, the National Center on Sexual Exploitation—I know there's a—I a, know that there's some people that are Mormon, some people that are Catholic in that organization, but they're mostly believers. Uh, your organization is expressly religious. That a lot of people that I'm meeting are interdenominational, but they are denominational nonetheless. They believe in God, and I—I I personally feel that the reason is that because we know that we can do better than this whereas without that awareness it's easy to just settle for what exists right oh well porn's everywhere so therefore it must be natural right whereas a believer might come to the assumption that it doesn't feel right in my soul it doesn't it doesn't land and i feel intuitively because of my scriptures because of my understanding that we are destined for something far greater than this, a love greater than what it is presently expressed. So that's my understanding. And and that's kind of what I just wanted to touch on that um, because you guys are doing such good work. And I just know that sometimes it can be a turnoff for other people because they say, oh, it's a religious thing, but it's not a religious thing. It's like the best of what religion has to offer is is being made available to all. And it's not like you guys are evangelizing. You're just... You just happen to be religious people who are providing a service.
1: Andrew, that is a really, really great question because it taps into this uh, this fight. And this fight does is has multiple sides. I think um, a, there's a book uh, and an author named Dr. Samuel Perry. He wrote a book called Addicted to Lust, Pornography in the Lives of Conservative Protestants. And right off the bat, he does a, a very good, uh, good thing of saying. It seems like a lot of scientists today have their own bone to pick. That they have their side they want to choose, and so you do have some psychologists who are just very focused on no, no way. This is never going to pornography is never going to be addictive or create compulsive behavior. It's just you know, it's just that you worry about your own sexual drive, and if you just became used to porn, you'd be okay. On the other hand, you have this uh, psychologist in the same field. you have mi- many more neurologists, it seems, uh, like Dr. William Deutsch, Dr. William Struthers, and others who are saying, no, this from a neurological perspective, this makes very much sense that it is addictive and creates compulsive behavior. Uh, often when you see blog posts on it, they'll just the blogger will simply um, hey, this is, you're just being uh, uh, ultra conservative religious and that's wrong and you shouldn't you shouldn't have any hang ups about whatever anybody wants to do and <laughs> and and neurology just doesn't work that way sure well, that seems pretty shallow it doesn't really like seems like they're really digging it seems like they've already decided in the beginning and i'm sure that uh, others can outside can look at us and go, "Oh, well, you're you're biased because you want people to live up to their Christian principles of, that say don't lust," um, and, and and yet that's what pornography is all about. So we, what we need to do is just get rid of religion. And there's fact some studies that show the more people to watch pornography the more likely they are to leave their Christian beliefs behind. Really? That's why it's an affront. And I'll send you a link so that you can post that on your site that when you're watching pornography, it's hindering your faith. It's actually wanting to change how you view God's creation. You know, even though Christians as a whole use less porn, when they do use porn, they do feel a great sense of failure and shame. Mm. Uh, this isn't, you know, and oops, that was not a shame on me. It becomes, it does become sometimes a toxic shame that eats away at a person's feelings of self-worth. Absolutely. Uh, following an episode of watching porn and masturbating, a person can feel helpless and hopeless and isolated. And maybe they feel unworthy to be called a member of the body of Christ.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I was just having a conversation with somebody this morning about it. He wanted an early morning coffee, so I obliged. But um, basically, it's like the worst of you becomes your subject. It becomes your the thing that dominates you is this sense of I'm controlled by these things. And when you're under the thumb of your lower impulses, the voice of God is is a mere whisper, if anything at all. You can't really hear your own value, your own self-worth. And so Mm. it's kind of like, it's what we've realized is like, your relationship with your ideals becomes strained and your ideals, even the mention of God, brings feelings of misery rather than feelings of love and joy because it reminds you of everything that, you can't you feel like you can't have or don't deserve when when you're having this kind of give and take with with such negative feelings most of the time
1: yeah and and then there's a culture out there that's really backing that that side up that listen what you need to do you have that on one side of those psychologists argue that porn users simply need to set aside their moral misgivings <laughs> and embrace the enjoyment of watching porn yeah And when that happens, shame loses its power. As well, spouses might need to give up their sense of entitlement to being the lone focus of someone's sexual pleasure. Yeah. When these factors come together, a person can watch porn, have sex with their significant other, and even do both at the same time, which leads to the eradication of the shame because – and you know what? Um, It is so sad because there's become – sometimes when – a spouse he has become addicted, compulsive use of porn. the The other spouse is saying, well, you know, I guess I need to go along with this so at the least they're not watching alone. Yeah, and that becomes a terrible thing. There's no, every study shows that they have when you're watching pornography, you have less sex sexual satisfaction with your partner. And we've had God, oh, God bless it women who say he cannot reach, Orgasm, and unless he's watching porn at the same time, even though he is with me presently, so. But I think this is a moral statement itself. When psychologists say, "Hey, you, you all, just your spouse has to be okay with it. You just need to learn to be okay with it." To me, that is a moral statement itself. That porn and sex outside of marriage is fine, and adherence to this adequate, antiquated biblical or moral rules robs person of some exploratory sexual fulfillment. Yeah. But that doesn't hold a lot of hope for the, the follower of Jesus who says, "We said, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with a lust, lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Mm-hmm. That's from Matthew 5, 28. And so there's no, if you're going to adhere to Jesus teachings, you cannot accept this uh, mantra that what you need to do is just be okay. Okay with using others and watching others have sex so you can enjoy some (laughs) thing that was never intended, right?
0: I, I totally agree. And I feel it's realistically, even I know the word morality is a trigger for a lot of people, but just a standard, a general standard that I think in this day and age, it's hard for people to believe that one person could fulfill all their needs because they don't have many templates of it they don't have many examples of it in their own life and so why why even believe in something that that you've never seen or never experienced and it's hard to really fathom but in reality what 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 happens in those situations like you mentioned when one spouse kind of in a way just foregoes their own standards they they loosen their own standards to go down to where their spouse is at rather than you know, say, well, what was the standard that we agreed upon, right? And so that's really, in high noon, what we're trying to teach, especially the unmarried or the people who are on their way to marriage is to get clear on the standard that you want and the vision that you want for your couple because if you want, you know, an amazing sexual life with your spouse, it takes a lot. It's it's very emotional, it's very spiritual, it takes a lot of effort. But you can absolutely achieve it if you set the standard and are constantly working towards it.
1: And you know, the, from from where we come from, God designed sex. Absolutely. It's it's his idea. He meant it for, for enjoyment. He meant it to draw us closer together. Uh, it is a beautiful thing that God created. Amen, brother. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and, and so these uh, philosophies that, Christians are prudes, is just dumb. Yeah. And sometimes there's some history there where Christians have been pretty prudish.
0: Well, the missionary position,
1: right? <laughs> <It's> called- <laughs> <laughs> and they were, uh, you know, for sure, They uh, the church has had to learn its own lessons from its inaccuracy of, of biblical teaching.
0: Yeah. Well, th- then let's go in there and, and let's talk about Covenant Eyes. And so you're an accountability Software, but I've also seen you. You make uh-huh. videos and you help people understand what's going on with themselves. And in terms of that end, so you're you're an organization that creates a software, but you're more than that, right? So what else? Um, and you team, you partner up with National Center on Sexual Exploitation to be to work with advocacy. But do you do anything also to help? With the culture, help change the culture. Because I, I remember Matt Frad used to make a lot of videos. Um, are you still kind of doing that kind of stuff and doing, doing cultural?
1: Oh, sure. You know, there's a great video that, uh, that just kind of gives someone a, a highlight of what Covenant Eyes is all about. I'll have to send that to you. And this one is actually, we've actually made it humorous. It's pretty funny. So you can, uh, help maybe introduce the conversation of Covenant Eyes and being accountable to someone with, um. through that. But uh, yeah, we're constantly uh, producing more and more educational resources. Just did some good interviews uh, with Nate Larkin from Samson Society. Uh, SamsonSociety.com, by the way, It's a great resource where you can get into community with someone else. If that's not something you have available locally, as well as plenty of, of uh, educational resources on our page called at covenantize.com forward slash resources. Okay where you can download a number of free ebooks. Um, we've had some amazing people kind of step up. You, mu- you might know of Lamar Odom. He's yeah. a two-time NBA champion, Olympic medalist, and uh, he has uh, become a reality TV star, uh, dancing with the stars and things so <laughs> like this. But uh, he felt he had it all. But after decades-long porn addiction that he felt was ruining relationships, um he has uh given his heart to christ the woman that he loves sabrina parr they're 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 focused on on not having sex before marriage they're gonna they're aiming toward getting married and he's just really uh been very straightforward and examining himself mm-hmm. and he's been talking about how covenant eyes has made an impact in his life mm-hmm. i I'm currently working on a on a book that is aimed at helping pastors better understand the impact of pornography. Fantastic. Um, how they uh, their efforts might have um, not been performing as well as they had <laughs> hoped. Yeah,
0: the whole not <laughs> talking that, about it thing isn't quite working out for us. Well, there's that, but there's
1: also some... Some tough places that pastors find themselves in, um, where their own um, their own church members are saying, "Hey, you you know." I had a pastor say, um, "Tell me," he says Sam, "You're asking me to talk about pornography in the church from the pulpit pulpit, but I was reading from the Bible and used the word prostitute and the." Uh, <laughs> One of my prisoners came up afterwards and says, You can't use that word in our church. And he goes, Wait, I am reading from scripture. What should I have said to him, Sam? And I said, What you should have told him was to grow up. <laughs> this is real life. <laughs> and he goes, You know, I think that's right.
0: And there's really no discourse about the shame that a lot of pastors have themselves when they are watching porn because um, if they are to reveal it to their congregation then some some of them might be excommunicated you know they they have this fear this natural fear it, in the church today
1: we have made it a habit of shooting or wounded and that's bad enough for the congregation member but we also have done a very poor job inside the church leadership the pastoral staff it is one thing to say you know that it's important that we recognize that pornography is against our moral and Christian beliefs. That's, that's, that's known. What the problem has come is that instead of working to support and restore a pastor, uh, we make it much easier to just simply shoot or wounded. So hmm. a pastor can, if, who is struggling and saying, man, I, I would really like to raise my hand and find help and support within my own denomination— Uh, But they can't because there's no pathway for them to step aside for a a while, get the support they need, find recovery, and come back. Here's the interesting thing I found over 13 years at Covenant Eyes is that pastors who have gone through process to restore themselves, to find freedom— In the fight against pornography or just about anything else. But specifically in this, they go on fire. They become more dedicated. They become more uh, impactful in their churches. Uh, They become more understanding and compassionate and lead others to freedom with greater strength and veracity than they ever did before they found freedom for themselves. So, I think it's incumbent on our uh-huh. denominations, our our leadership boards to create a means for a pastor who can say, "Hey, before I got caught, I want you to know that I here's where I'm at. I'm struggling. I need your help. Would you please help me?" And when they find that help, when they receive that help, they go back in their stronger than they were before, than they had ever been.
0: That's so inspiring. And I, I mean, earlier on, you were talking about how porn basically erodes people's faith. Um, and you can see that in the numbers, right? That when you look at the world Christian membership numbers, it's on the decline. Uh, and I would assume that so much of that is because of this erosion of faith in oneself, and that is through losing control of your own ability for self-autonomy, self-authority, by giving your authority to an addiction, to especially porn, because it's so personal. And all the more, the leadership, there's so many— I know personally so many leaders that have stepped down from youth pastors or from some position within religion because they feel like such hypocrites— And they don't know who to go to because they're supposed to be the ones with the answers, but they themselves struggle. So it's so nice to hear that there are leaders, pastors who are overcoming this and that they bounce back stronger than ever. And um, to highlight them, to hear about these people and highlight them. And boy, oh boy, do we need to hear their voice so much.
1: You know, one of our good friends, uh, our mutual friends, Michael Leahy and Bravehearts, yeah, uh, regularly serving pastors to help them find that restorative peace, amazing. To find to to re, to find true recovery, uh, Samson Society uh, as well. Pastors are finding an opportunity to go into those on online meetings, find recovery, find help, find support, and leading them to victory.
0: I have to say that I've been I've been an extremely rude host, and we haven't. Like what, what got you into this? Because so how long, how long have you been working with Covenant Eyes? Were you not? So
1: how did I end up at Covenant Eyes? Uh, My wife came to me one day and she says, hey, you know, that organization Covenant Eyes that our our friend at church works for. Um, I said, yeah, they're Covenant Eyes. They're doing a great work. And she goes, well, I've been praying about this and I feel that you just need to give them a call. And I said, well, (laughs) hon, sure, I'll give him a call. You know, uh, I'll think think of that over. She goes, no, I want you to promise me you're going to give him a call. (laughs) I said, she's not usually like that. So I said, oh, yeah, okay, I'll give him a call. You know, I want to honor you and do that. And uh, one thing led to another, and it was clear to me that I needed to make a leap of faith and joined Covenant Eyes. And at that time, 13 years ago, Covenant Eyes was in these, there's, in the United States, there's these little towns where, uh, the big box stores have moved in and they're in the surrounding area. And the little downtown area is sort of run, gets run down. Yeah. Yeah. And so we were in these little rundown, uh, downtown buildings and, the tiles were coming off the floor. There were false ceiling tiles missing off the ceiling. And there was a running joke, and we live in Michigan, uh, that before you go to the bathroom, be sure to crack the ice in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> so when I came on the Covenant of Ice, it really felt like I was crawling out on a limb. Sure. But back in those days, you did just about everything, answering calls to writing to doing all kinds of things. and. Uh, I was so felt so inspired going to this rinky-dink office, <laughs> and uh, and I, I I would go home and tell my wife I feel like I'm plucking souls from hell mm. because they're on their own personal hell. They're they're. I remember talking with a pastor's wife. Uh, among, I think it was my first week at Covenant Eyes, and she says. He's watching porn on Saturday night and preaching on Sunday morning, and it's killing him. It's killing us, mm. and we just need a little help. And uh, to see those those calls come around again, and seeing the change in people's lives, it, it is so invigorating and so exciting to see people find their their freedom that they so desperately desire.
0: And. So obviously you've gone from rinky dink to 200 employees to, you know, developing new technologies with former NSA operatives or whatever you call them, right? <laughs> and it's
1: all, it's to me, it's all just a God thing. It—it It is um, when, you know, here's a strange thing. Six months after, I came on board. There was a, a company that was moving its employees, and they uh, it looked like they were just going to not use their, their current building. And it was a rather large facility where we're located now. And our, our president walked in and said, I understand you're going to be moving your employees, and, and that you might be willing to put this facility up for sale. And the receptionist says, You know, It's strange, but our vice president of all of our real estate holdings is here. He's never here, but he's here today. Would you like to talk to him? It turns out they'd recently put a million dollars just into the office space like the year before. There was a large warehouse in the back of all this office space as well. And uh, our president says, you know, I think we can offer you $400,000 for your building. And this vice president who is handling their real estate says, you know, we would just like to get it off the books. We don't even have it up for sale yet. Wow. Uh, why don't we go ahead and close this deal now? <laughs> and we used we refurbished that warehouse space, Amazing. and it paid the mortgage on our building. So Covenant Eyes this without debt, has been without debt, and uh, we continue to reinvest in the technology and education and resources that bring freedom to people.
0: Well, that's what I'd like to know is you all sound like a very ambitious bunch that are dedicated to changing this world. So where do you see yourself in 10 years, right? Technology's obviously ever-evolving, um, but your core mission remains the same. So how, how do you see your mission evolving as, a, as an entity? Where do you see Covenant Eyes in the future?
1: Yeah. Um- if I, you know, <laughs> 10 years seems to be dramatically changing in the technology world. But what doesn't change is the importance of connecting people. And as we are developing and changing our platform and our technology, what I really see us doing is to do a continually create new, roadmaps and connections that connect people together Mm. that create meaningful change so that maybe your instant notifications and a lot of different things that really, maybe you can correspond with someone in real time. Maybe there's a way that you can uh, write through their app and you don't have to go to a website or things that pick up educational resources and, and guides that really help and support you and your ally in conversations that create
0: meaningful change. That's fantastic. I had an idea once that uh, if somebody signs up for it, they if they were to click on some porn, you know, website, it would automatically FaceTime, and then instead of seeing porn, they would see their friend's face, and then they would just have this agreement where. It's a hey, buddy. How are you doing? Right. In that <laughs> in that right. moment, you're really just looking for a connection, right? And you settle if you've trained your synapses to settle for some fake person on the other end of a plastic device, then that's kind of what you're used to. But in real real terms, we just want somebody to be there for us to let us know that they love us, right? So. That's right. I see that that being, and, and when we get into virtual reality and all that, how much more do, will we need a real person, a real guide to be there with us?
1: Having greater connectedness to God, mm. greater connectedness to each other as the body of Christ, mm. then we are more successful at healing our wounds. Fantastic. If we, If we stub our big toe or if we cut our foot, Uh, The hands need to go to work on that, right? (laughs) So, and the more more ways that we have to create that connectivity to real people, people who love us and care about us, and the more we can do to help churches and congregations and friends Mm. to learn to create trusted environments, safe environments with safe processes for freedom. And that's where that's where real change comes from. That's where where I hope to see us in ten ten years, even more of that happening.
0: Well, I'd love to end on on that of of a question about hope. And you know, you see a lot of difficult cases every day, and you hear a lot of people's testimonies, good and bad. But in the end, what what gives you the most hope about your work and about the future of 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 this fight? You know, against isolation against uh self-centeredness where where do you see where do you really get your true hope this kind i don't mean like hope like optimism i mean like hope in your bones like you know we're gonna be okay like where do you where do you get that
1: wow i i think i find it through not only my journey with other people when you find that you are giving back to others through personal relationships, not just uh, you know the work in your church, but when you have one-on-one relationships where you are being a mentor to others and you're giving back, that gives me huge amounts of hope. Got it. And what I found so interesting too is that uh, we, through some polling of our customers, we 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 found that there was this big radical change that they found. That when they first came in to being a Covenant member, they felt hopeless. They felt shame and frustration and, and guilt and all kinds of negative thoughts. And after they had connected with an ally, began conversing and talking through their pornography use and began finding that process of healing within a short frame, and I think it was like six months, if I'm not mistaken, they were finding their new descriptions for themselves were hopeful, excited, uh, feelings of self-worth, better care, all those kinds of things that really made them feel more positive about themselves Mm. and their journey.
0: Amazing. So you see see the change. You see that change is possible. You've... Witnessed it on a macro level because you deal with thousands and thousands of people, so um, that that I'm sure inspires a lot of hope, right? That you know that although this is somewhat of a pandemic and that porn is about to reach a bunch of new customers as though as Wi-Fi gets across the entire globe, at the same time we know that healing is possible. So
1: healing is very much possible. Yeah, healing. Is a reality,
0: healing and
1: growth, and those things are true. I like that things that you can <laughs> things that you can look forward to. Mm. And I want to encourage someone who's out there today, struggling, uh, feeling so alone. That there's people in your church community that cares and loves you, mm. and you may not feel like there's anybody that that you can trust. But there is, and uh, I, I have that hope for you. If you're in, a, in a maybe just a, an area where you just think that the people in my church just don't really um, – they don't seem like they would have any understanding of this, I, I do encourage you to, to um, get into a group called Samson Society. I love them because they are men and – men. This is specifically for men, and we're looking to create something for women as well. But for men who who can find a group to to join, you can find that at samsonsociety.com. Mm. And in there, you can also find an ally or a, what they call a Silas in that group who will receive your Covenant Eyes report. And then you get to join in on meetings multiple times a week mm. and really talk through your own journey.
0: Amazing. Yeah, that's where it's at. Uh, Because we do know that some people listening are in very remote parts of the world uh, and there is a way to connect. High Noon is trying to be that, but it sounds like there's also other good resources in Samson society. Um, But that is the point is that that whisper in your ear that you are all alone uh, is a lie and there's always somebody somewhere. And if you put your ear to the ground, you will be able to find that person that will absolutely be your accountability partner, be your, be your helper through this journey. So uh, you can contact us at highnoon.org. You can look at what uh, Covenant Eyes has at their disposal. And Sam, I guess we'll leave you with um, that. If you could leave us with uh, any resources that you recommend. Uh, You've already mentioned Samson Society, but anything else that you recommend?
1: Going to covenanteyes.com forward slash resources or visiting our blog, Lots of great educational resources there. Take advantage of those.
0: And I just want to say again, thank you. Um, This has been amazing because I think sometimes in this battle, we are in our own little silos and we forget that there are other people fighting. And it's good to connect like this and to see that when we're united, we're incredibly strong and we can help millions and millions and millions of people find their true selves and give up this alternative... Reality that they choose with porn right Um, and the more that we do connect like you and I are connecting now and the way that you Covenant Eyes is connecting with National Center on Sexual Exploitation the faster we can recreate this world so that sexuality can be something that has God at the center right and so I want to personally on behalf of High Noon thank you so much for all that you do and on behalf of Covenant Eyes all that the organization does and I just want to thank you for your time and coming on this show.